Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hour two here on the Hervoy Moritz Show. We have Lynn Taylor returning her website at Common Core Diva. Com. She really looks at the nitty gritty when it comes to the sustainable democide goals, as I like to call them, that are being implemented everywhere uh, across the planet, uh, across our countries, from uh, local municipalities up to the national levels. Uh, what else do we got going on in the world? Singapore news, water, air con, and others to be disrupted in Singapore's first island-wide total defense exercise. The Republic's first island-wide total defense exercise will be held in February to increase Singaporeans' readiness for crises and disruptions. Uh, it says from February 15th to the 29th, exercise SG Ready will simulate an attack on Singapore using a variety of hybrid security threats from an anonymous aggressor deploying cyber attacks disinformation campaigns and drones against various targets doesn't that sound exactly like Obra commander klaus schwab's cyber polygon um the obama produced uh, film starring was it jessica roberts um julia roberts i'm forgetting all of these hollywood freaks names um leave the world behind it's it's exactly like the trailer for leave the world behind it says these attacks would cause simulated disruptions to power water or food supply to some schools on february 15 and 16 Emer emergency food supplies and water will be provided so again you see governments all around the world some of them in the in the case of singapore um in an unprecedented way running drills to prep for for the end of the world as we know it, basically. Um, again, just quick headlines on that thread. Australian spies blame Russia for major cyber attack. Australia has identified the Russian mastermind behind the crippling cyber attack. Unmasking, it's always 33, isn't it? Unmasking the 33-year-old hacker for the first time. Apparently, he infiltrated Australian private health insurer Medibank in November 2022. Russian hackers suspected of Sweden cyber attack. Russia, 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 right? So it's crazy. Uh, and so they, they need a scapegoat. They need a fall guy for the um, cyber polygon. Uh, it says online services at some Swedish government agencies and shops have been disrupted in the ransomware attack believed to have been carried out by a Russian hacker group. Certainly wouldn't be, uh, you know, some private boutique hacker group employed by, by Davos, right? Or, or, or some of those actors. Uh, also, countdown to conflict with Putin. Norway's defense chief has become the latest senior military figure to warn that Europe has a matter of years to prepare for war against Russia. So again, everyone's preparing for something. Uh, furthermore, yesterday, this is reported, Russia's willingness to deploy nuclear weapons in a potential conflict with the North Atlantic terrorist organization is growing because the Kremlin believes the U.S. and its allies would not dare to respond, said one think tank. So, yeah, that's going on. Lavrov has come out and said Trump won't change anything. Ties between Moscow and Washington are unlikely to improve, even if Trump 
wins the upcoming U.S. presidential selection. And I thought this was amusing as well. Zelensky wants to be like Putin, says the Kremlin. Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky could only dream of the levels of popular support Russian President Putin has, said Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov. And in a turn of events here, apparently the EU will not seize Russia's assets. The bloc stands to lose far more than the US if Moscow retaliates. The EU is unlikely to confiscate the Russian central bank funds that are currently frozen. The US and its allies frozen estimated 300 billion. Uh, you know, if if they went ahead and seized those assets, that would just advance de-dollarization, which generally is what would not be good for the West. Um, I, unless you want to collapse the system and bring in CBDCs, then it's absolute genius idea, uh, as people like Andy Sheckman um, have postulated. Biden thinks it's just a matter of time before U.S. troops are killed in Iraq or Syria. U.S. officials suggested that if an American is killed, Biden would attack Iran directly, which could provoke a major war. Really, you think? Uh, Iran is allied with the Shia militias that have been taking credit for attacks on U.S. troops, but Tehran has denied its involvement in the operation. So flashpoints all over the planet. Um, French farmers are upping pressure on the government as protests spread across rural regions. That's today's news. Lithuanian farmers get ready for protest in Vilnius. Today's news, uh, the first tractors and other agricultural machinery started arriving in Vilnius. So from Lithuania to France, to Germany, to Netherlands, Come on, Croatian farmers, get on your tractors uh, and uh, other countries. Uh, let's let's build some momentum here uh, to, to to turn against uh, the Brussels bureaucracy. And ocean freight rates are skyrocketing. Disruptions in the Red Sea have reportedly caused container prices to double in just a month. And of course, we've got what's happening down in Texas. Supreme Court decision sparks Texas independence calls so there's a there's a showdown like uh in a good good old clint eastwood spaghetti western fistful of dollars the good the bad and the ugly um there's gonna be some showdowns it, it, it seems uh down in south u.s over in texas uh, all right a reminder to give tnt a follow we're almost gonna hit ten thousand followers on twitter x we're on all the major social platforms and some all tech platforms so Facebook, uh, Instagram, Gab, Getter, follow our channels over at Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. An appeals court has ruled that a $10 billion lawsuit by Mexico against U.S. gunmakers, alleging that the companies deliberately enabled firearms trafficking into the country, can move forward here with the enchilada. Joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. 
Thanks, Rory. Pew, pew. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is a January 22nd ruling, and it was issued by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit. I think that's in Boston. Yeah, Boston. All right. So uh, this original lawsuit, which was filed by the Mexican government against seven American manufacturers and a distributor in 2021, alleges that the companies, quote, deliberately facilitate gun trafficking, end quote, into Mexico. The complaint was initially filed at the federal district court in Massachusetts, which dismissed the lawsuit after deciding that U.S. gun companies were protected by the PLCAA, the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. Uh, they believe they were protected against Mexican claims. The PLCAA prohibits certain lawsuits against gun manufacturers and sellers in U.S. federal and state courts. The appeals court agreed that PLCAA's limitations on the types of lawsuits that may be maintained in the United States apply to lawsuits initiated by foreign governments for harm suffered outside the United States, end quote. However, the appeals court observed that Mexico's complaint potentially alleges a type of claim that could be, quote-unquote, statutorily exempt from PLCAA rules. Thusly, the court stated, quote, we therefore reverse the district court's holding that the PLCAA bars Mexico's common law claims, and we remand for further proceedings. Furthermore, quote, we conclude that the complaint adequately alleges that defendants aided and abetted the knowingly unlawful downstream trafficking of their guns into Mexico, end quote. Wow. The lawsuit seeks 10 billion U.S. dollars in compensation. Jonathan Lowey, uh, Lowey, sorry, president of Global Action on Gun Violence and co-counsel for the Mexican government in the case, welcomed the appeals court decision, of course, in a statement on January 22nd. He said, quote, today's ruling is a huge step forward in holding the gun industry accountable for its contribution to gun violence and in stopping the flood of trafficked guns to the cartels. Not only did the court recognize the right of another country to sue U.S. gun companies, it also pierced the unfair legal shield that gun companies have been hiding behind since 2005, end quote. Texas-based litigator Steve Shadowin said the court ruling, quote, marks an important step forward in holding the gun industry accountable for its role in transnational arms trafficking and in obtaining justice for the victims of their unlawful business practices and people of Mexico, end quote. Now, on the other side, Lawrence Keene, chief lobbyist and media spokesperson for the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the NSSF, disagrees with the decision. Of course, the organization is, quote, reviewing our legal options, end quote, is what he said about it on a post on X today, January 23rd. Quote, Mexico should spend its time enforcing its own laws and bring Mexican criminals to justice in Mexican courtrooms instead of scapegoating the firearm industry for their unwillingness to protect Mexican citizens, end quote. Yikes. Costas Morris, an attorney who represents the California Rifle and Pistol Association, called Mexico's argument in a post on X. In the case, quote, comical on its face, end quote. Uh, he said, quote, the basic idea is U.S. gun laws are causing violence in Mexico, but that country has six times our homicide rate. If some smuggled guns from here are the problem in Mexico, we'd have a much worse problem here. Mexico's complete failure to bring cartels to heel is not the fault of the United States, nor its Second Amendment. 
These cartels are extremely wealthy and would always be able to get a hold of firearms. They are billion-dollar sophisticated businesses, not random gangbangers. Plus, Mexico has had sorry, plus Mexico has long had very high homicide rates. This is not something new, end quote. So, yeah, um, they're trying to blame U.S. gun makers for their problems, for worry, not the cartels, because, you know, they, they can't blame the cartels because the cartels run around killing people. So they're scared of the cartels, but they're not afraid of the United States gun makers. Uh, what do you think about this one? I would fully agree with the second half of your report there. Uh, even before you got to it, I had in my head scapegoat the, you know, boo Mexican government here. It's just another move to take away our guns, to go after the gun manufacturers, to run them out of business. Uh, and by the way, I uh, no one can criticize me because, look, I got I got a Mexican passport right here. I'm Mexican. You know, am I Mexican American or American Mexican? It gets confusing, but um, yeah, just totally what that last person said. It's uh, the Mexican government is just passing the buck. It's looking for a scapegoat. I mean, it's a it's a freaking narco state here. You know, how many times do I have to say it? We've got we've got, uh, and the excuses that they use are are lame. Like we've literally got Mexican police and military taking Mexican innocent civilians, handing them to the cartels. Uh, what do even guns have to do with that? As you mentioned, guns can come in um, anywhere else except you know through, through the U.S. border. So the, I don't even buy that trafficking argument. I mean, I'm in the state of Jalisco. There's like hundreds of. Jalisco police here being um, the, the police themselves being under investigation for kidnapping uh, us and 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 killing us and stuff. And so it's just like, sorry, Mexican government, no, you're 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 crazy. They're just they just want to pass the buck. They want to shift the blame because they work with the cartels. Um, and yeah, so let's blame blame the gun manufacturers, you know. And so crazy. <laughs> I guess in related news, because the other big Mexico story today was uh, something I reported earlier, I think for Misty Winston. Yeah. Right here on today's news talk. Um, this is fascinating. was this idea that Mexico is demanding answers from our government here in the United States as to how and why so many like U.S. made military weapons are finding their way into the hands of cartel members like gun belt fed machine guns and rocket launchers and grenades and whatnot. So. Uh, that news on top of this one uh, just proves the point that, yeah, Mexico is looking to blame anybody except itself for their their problems with these cartels. Uh, so what, what do you think it's going to take to to get the cartels out of there, Herbori? Oh, boy. You know, I've had on my podcast Ed, Ed Calderon, who's uh, famous on this topic. He's been on Joe Rogan and you know, he's like, we don't and many people say, well, I don't know what the solution is. You know what, what you just mentioned, if we didn't get if the cartels didn't get guns from the US, they can 3D print them now. Right. We had Jessica Solskjaer on the program who did the documentary on Cody Wilson and Defense Distributed. They can get them or they can buy AK-47s and Russian, you know, uh, equipment or, or, or Chinese like it's it's just doesn't make sense. Like we have a deep narco state. The, the the cancer is really deeply intertwined. Uh, we need Nayib Bukele's, you know, whatever one thinks of his globalist project of a Central American Union. Uh, he's doing some get, get things right. Uh, but what that means we need people willing to die. We had three politicians in Mexico die the first week of January. So I guess, you know, we just it's, it's a numbers game. It's like D-Day, right? Um, Normandy, uh, you, you need a certain amount of people willing to die to finally 
take that hill final thought ruckus well it's not going to be me that's for sure but it's probably because i'm not mexican but uh i have my own lines that i know uh if my government crosses it i'd be willing to die for my rights so we'll just leave it at that right it's not your battle down here but hey maybe the texas border thing that that's coming your uh way so uh all right uh, catch up with you tomorrow ruckus we've got lynn taylor of commoncoredeva.com joining us as always feel free to chime in to give us a call during the broadcast uh and touch on the theme this hour globalism united nations and whatnot we'll be right back TNT's Misty Winston. She says, how is anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago, while ex exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment? If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done, and in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since day one. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. The Irish government is proposing a law known as the Hate Speech Bill that threatens free speech. This law could have dire consequences for our democracy. This law will have uncertain effects on artistic and musical expression. Please support us. It could stifle the activity of public campaigning on political and civil issues and also curtail speech relating to topics about religion, ethnicity, sex and gender. You could even be jailed for possessing documents, cartoons or memes on your devices, even if you never read them or intended on sharing them. Mere possession could make you a criminal under this law. Help stop this law. Visit www freespeechireland.ie forward slash take action to bin the hate speech bill. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We haven't spoken to her since last year, but coming back to the Rebel Transmission is Lynn Taylor who's a sought-after speaker, author, researcher, activist, specializing in education. Her research has proven to expose politics, laws, and policies, as well as the international ties among the nations. Her website, commoncoredeva.com, also on Twitter, X, uh, with that same handle, Common Core Diva. How was your new year, Lynn? Well, I guess it was okay, Havore. You have been certainly busy jet-setting all over the place, so welcome back home, and, uh, you know, let's get this party started. <laughs> well, let's get this globalist party started, and um, I think your latest piece was related to the uh, SD, SDGs, uh, the Sustainable Democide Goals, as I like to call them, the Sustainable right. Development Goals, as Geneva and New York 
I like to mm -hmm. call them, but um, you say SDGs up close and personal. And I think rightfully mm -hmm. so. I, th I think, you know, SDGs are, are, are one of the real pillars, you know, core parts of the of the pillar of their, their um, system, because that's really what right. the change they're trying to make on the ground in all countries. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as we've noticed, this is not just uh, exclusive to the United States. I mean, when I was doing research for this particular article, I found a plethora of evidence for the housing there in Mexico where you are and how the Sustainable Development Goals is targeting uh, poverty levels, as we know, that's supposed to be their foot in the doors. Oh, yes, let's help out all those who are impoverished. We'll give them food. We'll give them a home and all that education and all the other things that go along with the goals. But then that's not where they stop. They are, as we know, they are packing us in, stacking us up. They're killing our land all in the name of supposed sustainability. And so the reason why I wanted to write this particular article is because well, back in August of 2023, I was away from home with my oldest. She had to have some surgery. The town we were in is a UN town, and I didn't realize it. And everywhere I went, there was homage to this part of the UN. There was homage to this part of the UN. And I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. This is not a socialistic uh, city. This supposedly, this is supposed to be a free American city. And it just was in my face everywhere I went to the point you had statues for the sustainable development goals that were being uplifted more so than the sanctuaries and synagogues and places of worship in this town. Well, it's 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 the new religion. It's the new cult I mentioned before, you know, Lutz's Trust, Lucifer Publishing. It's an official UN affiliated NGO. Um, they talk all oh, about yeah. it, that this is a new religion, that all the world's religions are going to come together, that mm -hmm. Lucifer is the Messiah, Lucifer is the Christ, and he's here already. Just he's waiting for the. I actually, in their latest newsletter, they talked, they actually mentioned, Lynn, how mm -hmm. I mean, this was unbelievable. This was during Davos last week that Lutz's Trust says that. They call it the cycle of conferences. So all of these cycles of conferences that have been going on since after World War II, United mm -hmm. Nations, World right. Economic Forum, right. those are all preparations to, to, to prepare for the coming of the Christ, in their words, which in the right. biblical world would be Antichrist. So they openly say that all these conferences are preparations mm -hmm. for the coming of the Maitreya, the Mahdi, the Christ, the antichrist so anyway well you know <laughs> alice bailey had her head twisted on backwards when she influenced julius huxley into the united nations and we know lucius trust was the basis we also know that it's based in humanism satanic worship that sort of thing so it's it's no surprise to those of us who know about it but it, if you're just listening and you've not heard of all this to notice that you're turning the world from worshiping the creator into worshiping the creation, because it's much more important to save that tree out there than it is for you to have a life. Um, indeed, it's all about Gaia, the creation, SDGs, Mother right. Earth. Um, uh, and so you, you look at a number of uh, things here in your article. And by the way, mm -hmm. I just went into Google News. You type in SDGs. And some of the crazy yeah. 
are just all over the place. China is in love with the SDGs. It says, oh, driven by re responsibility and innovation, China's Zhejiang uh, University leverages academic prowess to promote SDGs. And it mentioned Mexico as well. It says that Mexico, $2 billion SDG bond offering. Absolutely uh, insane, but uh, please uh, continue. It absolutely is. Well, you know, this is one of the things that I mentioned in the article is this is all about the supranationalism. And if you don't know what a supranationalist organization does, hang on just a second. There was an article, there was an image in my article that I featured from Investopedia. And it says here, what is a super supranatural, excuse me, super, oh goodness, this is a tongue twister. I'm so sorry. Supranational. What does that mean? A supranational organization is a multi-union or association in which member countries see their authority and sovereignty on at least some inter internal matters to the group whose decisions are binding on the members. So in short, the member states share in the decision making on matters that affect all the other countries' citizens. So your U.S.-Mexico Canada agreement, your UN agreement, all these these treaties and, and SDGs and things like that. And it goes on to tell you that these sorts of organizations are seen by many as a better way to govern. So of course we've got all these nations chomping at the bit because after all they get to control we the people, no matter where we live. And I think it's good uh, often for us to stop and reread these definitions, especially for people who don't think about these topics often, because as you just read the definition, like if you ask the average person, it's like, I mean, does that sound normal to you for me to give up? Like, like if you're in the US or Australia or here in Mexico, like, do, should I give up some of my rights that I get here at the state and national level to these freaks in Geneva and, 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 uh, New York, I've been around these people, you know, uh, and so it's just like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. And then, the, as you said, they're going to control our lives from way, way on the other side of the world. Like that doesn't make any sense. They should be well, people li living where I am. Right. And it, it doesn't just go after your government protected rights. These are going after your God given inherent rights, like as the inherent right to be a parent and to have a family and how you choose to raise that family. This is going after all that as well. Um, indeed, well, we're going to continue, but we're going to jump real quick to our headlines. Now, TNT Radio News. I have huge news. Are you ready for it? Yeah, do it. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The ongoing protest by French farmers centered around low wages and various grievances took a tragic turn on Tuesday. A woman was killed and her husband and daughter were injured in a traffic collision at a protest site. Former President Donald Trump is contesting special counsel Jack Smith's efforts to withhold certain details in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents trial. NATO sees no threat from Russia toward any of its members. The U.S.-led bloc Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg told reporters on Tuesday during a press conference in Brussels. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We're talking to Lynn Taylor of CommonCoreDiva.com, also on X, Twitter X, at CommonCoreDiva, and you're in your piece titled SDGs Up Close and Personal. You say you're very concerned 
by the opportunities the U.S. government, our states, and our local areas will use this year in 2024 to advance the uh, SDGs. So what's uh, going on here? Well, look at Congress. They've gone absolutely stupid over green energy or transportation or how we all have to reduce our carbon footprint or oh how we are damaging the ozone um, or how we are just being the worst people because we're not getting in on the SDGs. We're not putting enough money into it. If you look at the way the United Nations grades each member state, the United States is, while they're doing good on some of the grade that they get, they're lacking in several places. And so to get us in line with that, they have to come after the people with a bully stick. And that's what they're doing. Just go to congress.gov and look and just type in sustainability and you'll get a ton of proposed bills that have been introduced to address sustainability. That's just one subject matter. But the push of it is, is to become that global citizen. And if you've not seen the global citizen pledge, it is hard to find. But I did include it in my article. It is hard to read unless you blow it up here. I'm going to read it to you. So if you're not watching, you can hear it. I hereby pledge in law myself as a natural human being to the global collective ideals of peace, liberty, sustainability, and social responsibility in order to effectively adapt my lifestyle to further reach the 17 global goals for sustainable development, combat climate change, and take all the steps necessary to effectively become known as a global, non-state, universal, or world citizen." free of all discrimination when traveling and working abroad, notwithstanding my own nation state. I pledge myself to follow the natural order of the planet Earth in respect of all the bodies of international law and civil order, which provide me with these special rights, empowering me as a living individual stakeholder and active participant in world issues and international affairs governing the well-being of the planet and its ecosystems. Have you ever heard such rot? I you know, I need to go find, find the source of that. I couldn't believe what I was what I was hearing um there yeah. and and and, yeah, and you know, it, just some recent, you know, news which sort of um, speak to some of these developments. I don't know if you saw it today. I was mentioning how multiple states now in the U.S. are looking to ban natural gas. Washington, uh, Chicago, and Illinois. Um, oh yeah. And then, and then uh, these other stories now coming out this week about how carbon footprint of homegrown food five times greater. So they're saying, you know, no natural well, we gas go for eat you. Their bugs. It's 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 absolutely crazy. <laughs> Go eat their bucks. Okay, the Global Citizenship Pledge. If you look for the Facebook group, non-state citizenship, that is the um, credit that was given to it. And on my blog, if you type that in, you should find articles about the person who wrote it, the agenda, the global agenda behind it, that sort of thing. But I wanted folks to understand this is what is part of that supranationalism that they're all embracing. This is the end goal is to make us just sort of this 
citizen of everybody. But then if you look at it, it says, you know, I want to be a citizen of the world, but then, you know, I have to have my nation state. Well, which is it? You can't have both. They argue that you can. And, you know, you, you also discuss, well, one of the first areas is, well, transportation. Um, yeah. You say, we all know that the global mantra is that gas cars are bad. Uh, we, well, think about the public transport we also use. Mm -hmm. You give examples uh, out in the Carolinas about yeah. how they sent this household travel survey. And I'm looking at the yeah. website and it basically they're promoting, again, getting our cars away from us. Um, and, yeah, because uh, there was yeah. not one question about my personal vehicle. It was all about where do I drive? How much do I drive? Wouldn't I rather use public transportation? And you know, public transportation for some things is okay. But when you take away a person's right to go out the door, get in their car and go wherever the blue blazes they want to go, that's bad. No, it's restriction of freedom. I mean, I was just thinking if we were a hundred living a hundred years ago and we didn't have cars, uh, we would be organically, naturally limited to our local village or town because you know because there were no cars we would have no reason you know it wouldn't be globalized so i'd have no reason to venture beyond the town that i live in right because we don't right. have cars we didn't have planes and so walking you would have that free access right to everything well, you need supposedly. in a small, small town i mean yeah. and for, for the large part but today because everything you know i can't imagine where i am in this city without a car to accomplish what I, the, the, the usual things that I would need to accomplish would take an entire day versus just, you know, the morning, wow. or it could take multiple days. But um, yeah, you're, you're just giving examples of how this year they are slowly, you know, applying. Well, it's an election year. I don't know about anywhere else, but here in America, it is an election year. And when you want to talk about stuck on stupid stuff coming out of the woodwork, this is this is one of those years. This is why I was saying, you know, you got to brace yourself. Well, th that's another good point. Everyone's going to be focused on the election. And so, hey, implementing uh, the SDG stuff, um, you know, people talk about during the pandemic, there was the 5G, right? Um, right. Installation. So they're always giving us these head fakes. And so you talk about the Department of, of, of Transportation. And so mm -hmm. anything else when it comes to transportation you know it's interesting we're seeing many airplane accidents now as i feel like it's almost not it's it's by design they want airplanes falling out of the sky doors blowing off increasing the carbon tax for flying just all these different ways to get us uh take away our our, our middle class access to the transport right and and but think about this with the election coming up whether it's here in america or elsewhere in the world this year if it's not the if it's not one of the SDGs like ending poverty or quality education for all or general equality or, or any of those things, the issues that come out of these SDGs will be on the ballot. For example, transportation, you know, how are we going to do our infrastructure? How about our roads? How about taxes on those roads? Uh, things like that. Then you've got also your housing which we previously just talked about, but HUD has uh, the House and Housing and Urban Development uh, Department here in America has a huge agenda 
uh, tied in with the Department of Transportation as well as the Department of Energy so that they can make sure that you're herded in, whether you want to be or not. It's one thing if we want to live close in our neighborhood and just stay there, but it's also up to us if we want to choose to go further out. I mean, if you go all the way back to the pioneers, when they left the eastern coast of America and they were traveling out west to settle the land, they knew they may never see their loved ones again simply because they were going so far away. Now, think about it today. If you're visibly cut off because you're being hedged in these, these smaller cities in these, you know, AI movements and 5G territories, and you have to face that possibility that you may never see your loved one again, it's a totally different feeling because we're so used to being able to go about and to travel and not have our family members cut off from us. Yeah. And as you say, you know, I've lived in Geneva, which was, you know, one of the times of my life, but um, it's not a bad thing, you know, being able to access right. public transport, you know, I could walk around where there wasn't a tram in, in Geneva, and then I take the train anywhere outside of visiting people outside of the city, uh, in the rural parts of Switzerland. And it's just like, that's cool. But now, as you say, they're going to an extreme where they're saying, um, no other option, that's going to be your only option. And only if you behave. Right. Only yeah, if you only, behave. Only if I behave. You, yeah, people are, you won't even be able to take the public transport. Yeah, bad you. You didn't do so and so. <laughs> but there is a question that I ask in the article because, you know, uh, my expertise is education. And I do ask, well, what does all this have to do with education? It's quite simple. Climate change covers energy, housing, and transportation. It covers our food. It covers everything. So education is used to teach climate change and these other agenda points for collectivism, because after all, we aren't socialist enough in our nation. And why do I say that? Because I've looked at the 2024 platforms for major campaigns. All right. The Democrats on education, they want to use school choice because you can universally blanket who goes to school, which means everybody goes to school. The Republicans are going to use school choice to sway the election their way because they feel they got robbed on the last one. And they're going to go after higher education, Havore, to include more partnerships with industries to pump out workforce ready widgets. If you think that's bad enough, the libertarians want free market education, which that doesn't sound so bad until you look at the at how they want to do it, which needs some tweaking. The Green Party wants to keep the federal government in place over education, eliminate all student debt, and make free college for everybody while they repeal the No Child Left Behind. Their platform has not changed since 2018. No Child Left Behind got codified with the Every Student Succeeds Act. You would have to repeal that one now. Now, the uh, socialist their education platform, which we're pretty much already in, reject education through its regimentation. Embrace Marx's polytechnical ed, which means skilled labor courses for work, free PK to college, education money per capita, regardless of your town size, in the high stakes assessment, uh, stop all private education, 
And uh, the list goes on and on. And I'm sitting here going, okay, we're already in a lot of these same states, but we're going to somehow sit over here and say, oh, yes, American education is bad. We have to have it look just like Mexico's or just like England's or just like Australia's in any other member state. And why? Because it's all breeding collectivism. That's one of the big words, uh, you know, th that helped me early on. The first person that introduced me to the word, the C word collectivism was G. Edward Griffin um, in his book um, and, and, and documentaries. And he's like the, the only person that I've heard really, uh, you know, try and get that across. It's it's because, it's, you know, you have socialism, you have communism, but collectivism. That's that's oh. the key phrase, you know, versus individualism. Um, real quick, Lynn, it's it's yes. time for our break okay. uh the website commoncoredeva.com same handle on twitter x we will be right back people might tell you that lyme doesn't kill people but we are losing people people disappear from their lives one of the scariest things that i had to deal with was uh memory loss not just like i don't remember what i did last week but like i forgot all the words to my own songs I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible. I'm dying. I wasn't working. So I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too- Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Time is flying. It's our final segment here with Lynn Taylor of CommonCordiva.com. I, I did want to ask you, uh, my producer sure. Ruckus and I discussed this story the other day and it's from epoch times and it's related to education and what you're you were you're just uh, saying now it says vast majority of urban elites i like to call them liberal globalists urban uh, elites favor strict <laughs> they favor strict rationing to fight climate change and think americans have too much freedom this was a study and it says specifically 77 percent of urban elites Defined as people with at least one postgraduate degree earning more than $150,000 a year and living in high population density areas, said they favored strict rationing of energy, gas, and meat to fight the supposed ills of climate change. And this is sort of the environment that I've taught in. And like I said before, like I thought they gave me a course called Environment and International Relations. Literally 90 plus percent uh, of these liberal students of mine liberal elite students of mine believed the official narrative. So really, um, what's your re reaction to the urban elites? Well, here's the thing. They're elite. There's the problem. They have no clue what it's like to struggle. 
if you grew up like the vast majority of people that I know, whether they're from America or from another country, you didn't have the nicest car. You didn't have the nicest house. But what you did have was a family. What you did have was a roof over your head. And whether you liked the food or not, you did have some food. Were you able to go to Paris and France and and all these jet-setting vacations and have people do your work for you? Absolutely not. You had to do your own work. If you got a family vacation, hey, it was great. Uh, didn't matter how far away you went or or what, because it wasn't very fancy, but it was you were together and you were having fun. It sounds good in theory to these people because they've never had to live anything else but a spoiled existence. And I bet you my bottom dollar that if they had to go through half of what I have been through or anyone like yourself has been through or any of the other people we could introduce them to, they would run screaming for the hills because they would have no friggin' clue what to do. Well, I, I just, you know, recall when I was still living in Mongolia or had returned, uh, I had such a great time. Uh, I found that the people there were happy again kind of like mm -hmm. they didn't have much they had the basics some of them even had cars out in the desert uh, fridges in their yurts were not uh, uncommon yep. and, and tvs but basically they were shiny happy people not everyone of course you have the same portion of people here you know who are um you know have uh, substance abuse issues or whatnot um but um kind of to your point i i felt like when i came back to the west with the upper class people i, mm -hmm. I you know they have money but they have more issues depression uh mm -hmm. you know marital issues but then the people who were on the lower economic rung i i from my observations it seems like they're they're happier you're just happy with the simple stuff um because then, we mm -hmm. we know what it's like but remember scripture tells us you will always have the poor with you scripture also told us there were well-to-do people and what was their responsibility it was their responsibility to work with the church to take care of widows and orphans not to fund the poor Certainly, if they wanted to help bless them, that was that was one thing. But it wasn't a government's job. It was the church's job. It was the people's job. And, you know, you're right. I've been to Bolivia, dirt poor, happy as could be, because they knew they had each other. Yeah, indeed. And just to, to finish on the transportation note of your article on SDGs, you say that where can I look in my community to identify this type of surveying, uh, especially if I'm not in the U.S. And like you say, search your town's website and budget um, for mm -hmm. any funding or programming supporting greening up the roads or removing cars. And look, I, I've said before that th that's what I did where I'm living here in Mexico. Again, I was shocked to discover I'm in a resilient city. I'm like, what's a resilient city? And then right. it says, oh, resilient cities are projects financed by the Rockefeller Foundation. To bring mm -hmm. out a cashless system. a whole system. bunch of work on that. Right. Yeah. My, minority Report. And so as you suggest in your article, people should just go to their, they live in a small town in a municipality or a big metropolitan area or in, in whatever state. Visit your, in whatever language it is, if you're Latin America and Spanish and Europe or Asia, you know, different countries. But check out the local websites and you're bound to find, you know, 
Soros, mm -hmm. Open Society, USAID, UN, Rockefeller Foundation, World Bank, IMF. Uh, or, but, um, or any of their grant names that would have anything to do with the sustainable development goals. That's how I found one here for my town was it was talking about greening up. Well, that goes back to the sustainable development goals. Remember, the UN has pumped a lot of money into the color psychology for a reason. And we can talk about that tomorrow night when we finish part two of all this, because we have a lot more to get into. And and, and just to add, uh, some of these NGOs or think tanks, they're like the Russian Matrushka dolls, uh, or, you know, you have so many dolls inside one. And for me personally, it depends on how much time or interest I have on when it comes to looking at some of these um, topics related to globalism, how, how deep I want to go. But you'll go to one NGO, yeah, you, 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 usually <laughs> yeah. the, the, they give you the financials and you can see who's supporting them. And there's a whole list of other, you know, financiers or charities. And sometimes you won't find suspicious names on the list. And then it, sometimes it's NGOs or foundations financing NGOs, financing, you know, uh, NGOs. And so if you look right. again long enough, you, you're, you're bound to find some interesting um, connections. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, your, your further thoughts. Well, I just was going to say, you also could take it a step further. Let's say uh, you've looked at the town budget. All right. Start showing up to some of the meetings that your town or your municipality holds, when, especially when they start talking about use of your taxes and what programs they have coming up. Also, remember, because this is an election year, you're going to have people who are out there campaigning to save the world. And once they get into office, there's a total 180. The reason why is because the minute that person gets elected, if they're a new person or let's say they're an incumbent, they are flooded with in, outside influence of the town through non-government organizations, through the UN, through Soros, through all these uh, supposed do-good corporations that have their lobbying and their agenda to have the new candidate or the new person in office say, you know what? I know I promised my constituents I'm going to save the world, but no, now I'm in office. I have to listen to these yahoos. And that's what happens. That, that's exactly what happens. And I, I did also, I, I recall this when it comes to transport again. Um, I may have mentioned this previously, but it was only a few months ago. We're here now in Mexico. I mean, I was shocked reading this in the Mexican paper that said starting next year sometime there's going to be stricter child seat laws. And, you know, mm -hmm. if you get a kid up to 12 years old, they will be forced to use seats. And it just for, you know, to a certain age, it just stops making sense and makes life more um, cumbersome. But it said that, the, that they're following the UN rules. So here in Mexico, the Mexican public transport are implementing this rule because it's part of the, you know, WHO or SDG stuff. So that's just, you know, another example here and then the vehicle emissions stuff as well oh yeah likely come come from the un and then uh, i had a friend of mine here in mexico recently her car did not pass muster so it failed yeah. the vehicle emissions and now right. it's illegal she can't drive her car now it's like they just took her car away and she's like well, I'm going to sell it and buy a, a more modern car that passes the emissions so well you know the, england I mean, is go ahead I was just to say, like, this is like a, a sly way of how they're removing our, our, our cars. Right. England is going after drunk driving, but they've taken it to the step of 
Your car can be parked in the driveway. You haven't even thought about getting in the car. And because it's on your property and you've had a couple to drink, you have the intent to go drive. Whether you really do or not, therefore, they can come after you. Even if you're parked on private land and you're minding your own business. I mean, this is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous, but it, it is to hem us in to remove us from our cars. And uh, I don't know how much you've followed last week in Davos. I was attending the Greater Reset here in Morelia, Mexico, while they were mm -hmm. doing the Great Reset out there in Davos, Switzerland. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping this time I'll be able to, th this week I'll have some time maybe to go back and watch in 2x speed some of the World Economic Forum oh, presentations. It, it but was it was barf bucket worthy. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> well, I, some of the clips that I saw that, that they came out talked about coffee. They're for me, they've crossed the Rubicon. They're saying co coffee is too much CO2. Sorry. They didn't say no coffee, but you kind of kind of extrapolate. That's where they're um, well, headed. And the, they, they, they continue to be obsessed as well with the, controlling the information and the narrative. Well, the World Bank a couple of years ago came out with this syntax setup taxing more taxes on soda, cigarettes, alcohol, and um, I can't remember the other thing, but it was like, okay, I, I kind of see cigarettes and alcohol. I kind of understand, but soda and junk food, that was it. It was junk food. And I'm sitting here going, I know you're after trying to control what we eat and drink. And okay, if someone wants to smoke and, and spend their money on cigarettes or alcohol, that should be their call. They should have enough freedom to say, this is where I want to spend my money. This is how much I'm going to spend. Now, if they start impeding society, that's a whole nother, whole nother issue that I don't support. But I do think we should have our right to eat what we want and drink what we want. And the World Bank can go sawed off as far as I can care about the sin taxes. But that's another way to hem us in as well. I fully, a thousand percent what you said. Um, and and also in, in your article, you mentioned, uh, again, something to think about. The next SDG transportation global meeting is set for three months from now. Um, yeah. And then other people, uh, Jacob Nordengard, who I saw was recently on TNT. I've had him on my podcast, uh, really good researcher on globalism. Uh, he's telling, I think it's in September later this year, there's going to be this big, these big UN meetings where they're going to be setting. We're going to talk about that tomorrow night the, because this plays the, right into the April meeting and then what's happening in September. So, yeah, when I said we had enough to go through, we've got a lot more to go through. All right. A minute and a half left. You know, any other okay. thoughts, uh, any final thoughts on World Economic Forum this week or, or uh, you know, the WHO, Tedros the terrorist doesn't seem to be happy. He says not all countries are crazy about his uh, pandemic treaty, but any final thought for us? I just wanted to say that education is not a legally based government entity of the United States or any other country. And when we have tyranny among us, we are punishable. But when our governments commit tyranny against us, they are not. We have got to start punishing them. And more tomorrow night. Well, the perfect example is what happened in Canada. We were discussing earlier today. Um, it was the judge ruled that what um, Trudeau did was totally tyrannical and, and unconstitutional and nothing's going to happen to him. And right. so, as you said, 
We got to we got to somehow find a way to turn these tables. It's always great chatting. Lynn, you'll be back with us tomorrow. Your uh, website again? CommonCoreDiva.com. All right. People can check that out. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. Steve Malzberg is up next. Keep on rocking in the not-so-free world. Be seeing you.